This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Hello and welcome uh, to another episode of the Out of the Blue podcast. My name is John Fleetham. I am a physician and clinical scientist in the Division of Respiratory Medicine at the University of British Columbia, Vancouver, Canada, where I'm a professor of medicine. Um, today, I'm joined by Dr. Ken Olivier, who's a senior author of today's article for discussion, Randomized Trial of Liposomal Amicacin for Inhalation in Non-Tuberculous Mycobacterial Lung Disease, published in uh, the March edition of the Blue Journal. Dr. Olivier is the Senior Clinician and Chief of Pulmonary and Clinical Medicine Section in the Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Branch at the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute of Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Dr. Olivier. Uh, good morning. Thank you for this opportunity. Before we discuss your clinical trial, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions uh, to set its context. What is pulmonary non-tuberculous mycobacterial disease? How common is it? And what is its natural history? Sure. Uh, other than being a mouthful uh, to say, it's a chronic infection of the lungs. It's um, associated with structural changes to the airways, uh, lung damage, uh, and impaired quality of life. Uh, it's frequently associated with bronchiectasis, uh, though it's also seen uh, in cavitary disease. And it most commonly affects people over the age of 50, uh, women more than men, uh, in the U.S., and estimates are approximately 85,000 people in the U.S. Uh, are affected by pulmonary non-tuberculous mycobacterial infections. What are the current treatments uh, for pulmonary non-tuberculous mycobacterial disease? How effective are they, and what are the usual criteria for treatment success? Yeah, those are good questions. Um, the, a lot of the treatment is based on um, drugs that have been used traditionally to treat tuberculosis, um, but many of these organisms don't respond uh, similarly to TB. The uh, resistance patterns may be very different, and treatment options frequently are limited. Um, treatment regimens require multiple drugs over prolonged periods of time. Um, and while treatment regimens for many people with the most common species of NTM, like Mycobacterium avium complex, are effective if they're taken as prescribed, um, uh, up to 80% of patients um, who are treated for the first time may show significant uh, microbiologic response. But these drugs are associated with significant side effects, which often limits the ability to take them as prescribed. Uh, for patients with other species like Mycobacterium abscessus, uh, which is the second most common NTM species to cause lung disease, and for patients with imavium complex who fail initial treatment attempts, options are very limited and more efficacious and less toxic drugs are desperately needed. What were the study findings? This was the first uh, multi-site study of a novel drug targeting patients with treatment refractory uh, NTM lung disease. Uh, the study found that patients who had liposomal amicacin uh, added to their failing treatment regimen had a greater likelihood of clearing their mycobacteria than patients who had placebo added to their background regimen. Patients who received the active drug, especially those who cleared their NTM, were also able to walk further on a six-minute walk test, uh, which was used as a surrogate measure for functional ability. Now, the patients were treated with liposomal amicacin. 
What's novel about this formulation and is it generally available now? Well, it's currently uh, only available in a research context um, and the base drug amikacin uh, is very effective at killing a variety of NTM species. However, it's associated with significant toxicity, especially hearing loss, balance loss, and kidney injury, which frequently limits its use. It's also only available as an intravenous or IV drug, which makes it more difficult to administer long-term. Uh, liposomal amikacin for inhalation encases the amikacin in fat droplets that shield it from causing damage to organs like the ears. And by taking it uh, through inhalation, the concentration of drug in the lung is potentially higher and levels in circulation lower, which may also limit toxicity. These uh, fat droplets or liposomes are very similar to naturally occurring substances uh, like surfactant in the lung, which is cleared by the same white blood cells, which are responsible for clearing the mycobacteria. So in theory, this could concentrate the drug in areas where mycobacteria uh, are causing problems and further facilitate killing of the bugs by uh, its intracellular potential. Your clinical trial included patients with both mycobacterium avium complex and mycobacterium abscessus, and patients with and without cystic fibrosis. Uh, why were your inclusion criteria so broad, and were there any important differences in results between the different groups? Well, while we know a fair amount about um, the epidemiology of these infections uh, and about how many people have them, um, there's not been a great deal of organization of these patient center centers like you might see with cystic fibrosis. Uh, and when we designed the study, we had little to go on regarding the pool of eligible patients with treatment refractory disease and not sure how easy or difficult it may be to enroll into the trial. So we were hoping to get some signal in this early phase study uh, of relative effectiveness of the drug against the two major groups of NTM causing lung disease uh, that could help facilitate design of a larger phase three trial. Uh, speaking of which, your study time of three months was relatively short, given the usual treatment time for pulmonary non-tuberculous mycobacterial disease. How did you decide on three months, and do you think a longer study time would have led to more definitive results? We spent a lot of time debating when to set the primary endpoint assessment. Um, it's the difficulty of studying drugs for this disease is trying to determine the effect of a single drug uh, in a multi-drug regimen. Um, since this was a placebo-controlled trial that required patients to refrain from use of other inhaled aminoglycosides, we had potential, uh, potential concern for uh, patients receiving placebo uh, with refractory disease and how long that that was reasonable or ethical to uh, continue. We also had previous experience with off-label use of inhaled uh, off-the-shelf amikacin, if you will, that suggested we might see early signs of a microbiologic response at three to four months. So we were looking to see early indicators of effect um, and then having longer term follow-up um, that again would uh, be useful potentially in the design of a follow-on study. Can you discuss the side effects and adverse events related to the inhaled liposomal amikacin? Sure. Um, like many inhaled antibiotics, the potential for airway toxicity is a concern, uh, and most of the side effects involve the respiratory tract uh, and included uh, things like increased voice alteration, 
uh, increased cough, uh, chest discomfort, wheezing, uh, and increased frequency of protocol-defined exacerbations of the underlying bronchiectasis. How helpful are drug sensitivities in pulmonary non-tuberculous mycobacterial disease? And how did amikacin-resistant affect your results? Unfortunately, um, unlike tuberculosis, culture-based drug sensitivity tests are frequently not so helpful in guiding therapy um, and judging potential for clinical response. Um, with the increasing availability of molecular or genetic resistance testing for certain classes of drugs such as macrolides and amikacin, we're actually seeing better correlation between sensitivity testing and clinical response. Um, in this study, amikacin susceptibility was done on banked isolates uh, using both culture-based assays and genetic sequencing of the ribosomal RNA uh, major determinant of amikacin resistance. None of the patients who had isolates with undetectable MICs on culture-based tests or a molecularly determined amikacin resistance mutation showed a microbiologic response to LAI. Mutational resistance uh, was present in isolates from nine patients prior to LAI exposure and was detected in isolates from five patients after LAI exposure. One of the concerns we had with adding a single drug to a failing regimen was the potential for development of resistance on the drug and being able to look at this in isolates before instituting treatment and after, we were able to show that relatively few isolates um, had progression of resistance during the course of the study. Now, the majority of your patients had cavitary disease, but chest imaging, such as chest x-rays, CT scan, was not included as an outcome. Um, is this, would this be worthwhile as an outcome in any future trial? Potentially, um, the logistics um, of how this was set up uh, prevented inclusion of chest imaging as an outcome measure. Um, and part of the difficulty, um, you know, kind of stems from the typical, you know, having two blinded radiologists review these findings and having some agreement. There's a lot of variability in serial changes over time that's seen on CT scanning. And trying to pick out which of the variety of findings, you know, is it worsening bronchiectasis or thickening of the airway wall or increased nodular or cavitary formation, um, as those may improve um, or worsen uh, on the same CT scan um, without some automated way of assessing sort of the total uh, volume of changes, uh, it makes it very difficult to uh, utilize this effectively. And I think that Currently, um, there are automated methods being developed and studies reporting these and the advantages of using that uh, even in diseases like tuberculosis um, as serial outcome measures that may show potential for future trials. So where do we go from here? Um, I gather inhaled liposomal amikacin isn't uh, freely available at the moment. Um, when will um, this be ready for prime time? And, and what would be important features of any future clinical trial in this area? Well, this trial didn't reach its primary endpoint, which was a reduction in colony counts. Um, and although the clinically more meaningful endpoint of culture conversion was reached uh, and occurred sooner and more frequently in the active treatment uh, arm of the study, uh, more data were needed to assess the potential of LAI in a larger population uh, using the drug over a longer period. 
um, and in this way more closely mimic how the drug uh, would potentially be used in the clinical setting. So there's currently a phase three trial that has been underway and results are anticipated uh, in the near future. Um, and hopefully this will give us the additional information uh, about long-term effects um, and better inform the role that this drug may have in the overall treatment of uh, NTM lung disease. Do you have any final points you'd like to emphasize about your study? Yeah, we were encouraged uh, by what we learned from the design of this trial in terms of target populations, outcome measures, and safety assessment. And we're hopeful that, that this will in some way pave the way for more interest in drug development and clinical trials in this disease uh, for which uh, effective and well-tolerated drug options uh, are very limited. So many thanks for doing this podcast, Dr. Olivier. It's been my pleasure. To the listener, to read the article discussed in the podcast, please visit the podcast homepage at www.atsjournals.org. To listen to more episodes of Out of the Blue, visit our page on iTunes or Google Play. You can also subscribe and stay updated uh, whenever new episodes are available. Thanks for listening and have a good day.